want you to take out your Bible today and look in two passages. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. And then we're going to look over in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Hopefully you got uh, the listing sheet today. We're going to use that in a few minutes. Hopefully you'll have that. If you don't, you can pull that up on your smartphone or your tablet today, and you can use that today in following along. This morning, we are going to embark on a summer sermon series called Go for the Goal. Go for the Goal. Our goal is to develop lives lived out before God and others that result in God the Father looking at us one day when we cross the finish line of life and saying to us, well done, good and faithful servant. How awesome would that be? To know that you have finished the course, completed the race, crossed the finish line, and God looks at your life, and He looks at how you served Him, and He looked at the things that have been done in this life, and He says to you, well done, well done. That is the goal of life. That is heaven's praise. That is the prize that we are seeking. This is what we want to happen when we finish the finish line of life. Each of us, each of us is like a runner who's running a marathon. We're in the race right now. We're in the race right now. And right now, if we're in the race, we can choose how we finish the race. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Philippians 3. This is going to be our theme verse throughout this entire sermon series. So in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 12, when it comes up on the screen, I want you to read it out loud with me right now, please. Paul says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an awesome passage? Paul says, listen, I'm in life's race. And in life's race, you've got to forget what's behind. You can't worry about what's behind. What's behind, you have no control over. You've got to focus on what's ahead choices that you make, the life that you live. You've got to pursue as your goal the prize promised to us by the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. That opportunity to walk across the finish line and hear God say to us, well done, good, faithful servant. Almost everybody that I know enjoys the Summer Olympics. The Summer Olympics this year will be happening in Tokyo, Japan. When we see the athletes walk onto the podium and have a medal placed around their neck and we see their national flag raised and their national anthem played for the gold medalist, we often forget that that one moment in time that we see at the podium was preceded by years and years, and months, and months, and hours, and hours of daily training, hard work, practice, personal sacrifice, oftentimes at great cost to the athlete and to their family. 
And in that moment, they went for the goal. They received the prize. They were awarded the medal. Not just because of that one race or that one event, but because of all the hard work and the practice and the training and the sacrifice that they had put in that led up to that one important moment in time. It's a great picture and metaphor of the Christian life. All of us should desire to stand on the podium one day before the Lord. And the Lord look at us with great joy and say to us, Well done! Well done, good, faithful servant. But right now, we've not reached that moment. We are still in the race. And before we get there, we must learn to live lives of sacrifice, surrender, commitment, and praise unto the Lord. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to do, we're going to learn how to go for that goal. How to go for that goal. In our passage of Scripture this morning, in John 10, 10, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about the life that we live can be lived either one way or another. And some in the room today are choosing to live a life that's being stolen, still killed, and destroyed by a thief or the abundant life of Jesus. Look at what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, that's not what I've come for. I have come so they may have life and have it in abundance. You know, in this room right now, you're only living in one of those two areas. Some of you today, your life is being characterized by allowing others and the things of Satan and the things of this world to steal from you, to kill your dreams, to destroy your life, to destroy your relationships. And for some of you today, that's where you're living your life. However, there are others of you that maybe you're choosing, I want to live in the abundant life that Jesus promises me. Now, this abundant life that Jesus talks about is a life that's being lived out to its fullest potential. A life being lived out to its fullest potential. It is a life that is significant. It is a life that has meaning. It is a life that is fulfilling. You know what kind of life it is? It's the kind of life that if I told you to write down the kind of life you want to live, it's the kind of life you'd write down. It's that kind of life, that satisfying, meaningful life, that when you get to the end of your life, you can look back with no regrets. Jesus says, that's the life that I've come to give you. That's the life that you can choose to have. And hopefully this morning you are seeking that life today. And you're living a life of abundant life that's worthy of heaven's praise. Now, what we want to do is take a little inventory. You see, there are things in our lives that steal this abundant life from us. Some of these things are listed right there in your listening sheet that you can look at online or on your smartphone or right there in your hand this morning. There's a lot of things in this life that if you aren't careful, when you put your focus on these things, these things become the life that steals, kills, and destroys. For some of you this morning, it might be stress. For others, it might be overwork or bad habits. It might be regrets. It might be resentment. It might be addiction. There may be something there. What I want you to do this morning is I want you to circle the issue or the issues that's listed right there that keep popping up in your life that's robbing you of an abundant life. Go ahead and circle that right now. 
Go ahead and circle it. Maybe it's not there. Maybe what it is for you is not even there. And you just need to write it over there in the margin. That's okay. You can do that. But just circle that. There ought to be a lot more folks circling stuff right now as I'm looking at you. All you out there watching at home, I'm looking at you too. Circle stuff. Be honest. Everybody in this room has at least one thing on that list they can circle. Everybody. Everybody. Some of you can circle several things, can't you? Well, here's the question. What is the root cause of all these problems and issues that we are allowing to rob us and steal from us the abundant life of Jesus? Well, the answer is this. We face these problems and these issues on a regular basis in our life. You know why? Because we're always trying to play God in our own lives. That's why. Every time I try and act like my own God, I mess things up terribly. I make bad decisions and wrong choices. And instead of doing what God wants me to do, I will do what I want to do. And every time that happens... It robs me of the abundant life that Jesus has for me. And what is true of me is also true of you this morning. Think about it. Here's an example. Do you know the common denominator in all of your bad relationships? You see, I talk to people all the time. They say, I just can't get along with anybody at work. I've, all, I've got this problem in my family. I've got this problem with this person at the church. I've got this problem in my neighborhood. I've got this problem. They've always got a problem with somebody else, and they think that the other people are the problem. Do you know the common denominator in all your bad relationships? You. Me. We are our own worst enemies. So what's the answer? We've got to learn to start today to think right about who God is and who we are. A premier athlete, one of these Olympic athletes that you're about to see in a few weeks, that athlete must have the right kind of attitude and mindset and motivation if they're going to be a champion and be successful. If he or she is going to go for the goal Each day, they've got to give the hard work and the dedication and surrender that it takes to become a champion. Even more so is that true for the follower of Jesus Christ. We should choose to live in the abundant life of Jesus so that when we cross the finish line, God says, well done. So here's the question. After all of that, how does it happen? If that's what we ought to desire, and it is, how does it happen? How is it that this morning, right now, where we are, we can begin to think right about who God is and who we are before God? I think that in order to think right, we need to do three important things in this life. As God's athlete in life's race, we need to do three things. Thing number one. You've got to admit your need for coaching or help. You've got to admit your need for coaching or for help. Every athlete is born with certain athletic gifts and skills. However, not one world-class athlete competing in the Olympic Games this summer will get to the podium 
without the help of a coach. None of them will get to a podium and receive a medal by themselves. Each athlete needed a coach to sharpen their skills, to direct their focus, to minimize their distractions, to remove unnecessary boundaries, to meet the goals for their life and help them achieve significance. In this life, we are running life's race. And we need to tell the truth about ourselves. I can't live in denial and you can't live in denial. We've got to choose to be real with ourselves and we've got to choose to be real about ourselves. But if the truth be known, nobody in the room wants to be real. (laughs) Nobody does. I don't, you don't, nobody wants to be real. Nobody wants to admit the truth about ourselves. Now, we like to talk about the truth about other people and their issues, but we don't want to admit the truth about ourselves. We avoid our own issues. We don't face them because it's, it's oftentimes painful to do that. Oftentimes when we face our own issues that we've got to live up to, it might require us to make some changes in our lives. So we, we don't like to admit that we need help, but we do need help. To receive God's help and the coaching we need to hear him say, well done. Each of us must admit that we've got pride in our lives. The problem of pride is as old as creation. In the Garden of Eden, when sin came into the world, the Bible says that Adam and Eve went and they hid themselves in the garden. You remember that? And so in the cool of the evening, God's walking through the garden calling out, Adam! Where are you, Adam? Now, God knew where Adam was. And Adam said, here I am, Lord. And God said to Adam, why are you hiding? Listen to what Adam said. Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid myself. Now, pay attention this morning. Do you know the very first fear of man in the beginning of time was this? The fear of being exposed. And that's really our fear today too, isn't it? We don't want to expose ourselves and be truthful about ourselves. We don't want to admit that we have needs in our lives and we need help and we need coaching. No one is more broken than you and your life is no more broken than anybody else's life. We're all in the same boat for each other and with each other. Listen to the words of God in Jeremiah 2.13. God said, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own broken wells. Their own broken cisterns that can't hold water. (laughs) Think about that. God is saying that what we do is that we forsake Him and we try to play God in our own lives. And when we do that, it's like trying to fill a bucket up of water that has a hole in it. It's like trying to fill a cistern with with a big hole in it. All the water is seeping out. In other words, you don't accomplish anything. You only make a mess of everything. Is it not amazing that in trying to fix ourselves... That we often try everything else first to try to make it work. 
before we're willing to come to God and ask for help. We need to come to the Lord today and we need to say, Lord, I need help. I need your coaching in my life. I need a new perspective in my life, God, of who you are and who I am before you. I need to put you in control, God, over every area of my life so that I might be pleasing to you that I might one day cross the finish line and hear the words, well done, good, faithful servant. If that's going to happen, then the first thing we've got to do is we've got to learn to think right about God by admitting our need for coaching or help. Number two, not only must we admit our need for coaching, secondly, we need to ask God to coach us. We need to ask God to coach us. We need to ask God to be our help. World-class athletes all have one thing in common. You know what it is? Every world-class athlete has a world-class coach. They have a personal, one-on-one relationship with their coach. They spend hours together in practice and discipline and training. We would call that in the Christian life discipleship. They spend hours communicating with one another. We would call that prayer. They give each other their best every day. It's not enough just to let anybody be your coach. Who becomes your your coach, who becomes your help, is the one who will direct the focus and the future and the success of the race that you're running today. I need to admit that I need help and I need to ask God for that help. Oftentimes we get it backwards. We ask God for help, but we don't admit we have a problem. Or we do just the opposite of that. We admit we have the problem, but we go to the wrong source to try to find the solution and not God. We see an example of this in the life of the Apostle Paul. At one point in Paul's life, he was so discouraged and so depressed and felt so hopeless that he literally wanted to die. And he couldn't understand why his life had gotten into that condition because after all, he had been serving God. He was in the middle of God's will, doing what God had called him to do, and yet he got very discouraged and depressed. And he admits it, and he says, here's what happened, and here's what God did. In 2 Corinthians 1.9, he said, Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened... That we might not, look at this, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on who? On God. And look what he said, who raises the dead. Now this is significant. Don't miss what I'm about to tell you. See, Paul is saying, the moment I realized I couldn't fix myself, and I couldn't solve my own problems. And the moment I stopped trying to play God in my life and admitted that I had issues and I asked God for help and I relied upon Him, everything in my life began to change. He said, I began to realize I don't rely on myself. I've got to rely on God. Why? Because a God who has the power to raise the dead has the power to change my life. Don't miss this, folks. Don't miss this. Think about it. 
The same God who has the power to raise the dead certainly has the power to raise your dead marriage. And the same God who has the power to raise the dead can raise your dead career. And He can raise your dead finances. And He can resurrect your dead dreams. And He can change your life. But not till you admit that you need help and you ask Him to help you. Then and only then is the change going to come. Now let me just beg you this morning, as your pastor and friend, whether you're watching out there online or you're in this building, Listen to my voice. Let me beg you this morning. Please do not wait until you hit rock bottom to admit you need help and ask God for help. Why in the world would you choose to be so obstinate that God has to put you flat on your back to make you look up to Him when you can choose to do so right now today? Today we need to begin to think right about God, don't we? God wants nothing more than to be involved in the day-to-day event that you call your life. And when God gets involved with your life, He'll help you grow spiritually, overcome temptation, become strong in your faith. He'll help you influence others. He'll help you understand His purposes for your life and what direction to take. He'll help you be a person of character. He wants to love you. He wants to bless you all along life's way. How? Admit your need for coaching or help. Ask God to be your coach or your helper. One final quick thing. Accept help from your team or your teammates. Admit your need for help. Ask God to help. Accept help from others. One of the best things that we all enjoy about the Olympics is the opening ceremony, isn't it? It's that time when every nation of the world puts on the colors of their nation wears their nation's uniform, carries their nation's flag into the Olympic Stadium to the cheers of the crowd and the pride of everyone who lives in their country. Every nation sends a team to the Olympics. Even if it's just two or three people, they're still a team. No one goes to the Olympic Games alone. Every athlete comes to the games with a support system to help them, encourage them, and be there for them. You know, God wired you in such a way that you cannot fix your own problems and your own issues. We have been given one another. A big part of thinking or learning to think right about who God is is understanding that God made you and me for community. He made us to be in fellowship with one another, in relationship with one another, and we need one another right now. Now let me give it to you as honestly as I can this morning. Do you know that problem in your life that you really want to get rid of? That issue, maybe it was something you circled in the notes a while ago or you wrote down, or you at least thought about but were too prideful to circle or write down. You know that problem, that thing that, that, that's a temptation for you. You know that addiction, that defect, that fault, that fear, that worry, that stress, that loneliness, whatever it is in your life that continues to mess you up. Well, here's the thing you've got to understand. 
You will never get rid of that on your own, in your own strength, no matter how much you try or how long you try. You can't do it. You can't do it. If you could do it on your own, if you could get rid of that on your own, if you could stop it on your own, if you could fix it on your own, you would have already done it before today. But you can't. You can't heal yourself. and You can't fix yourself and neither can I. You see, to have the abundant life in Jesus, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with God. And you've got to be honest with some other people who can hold you accountable for doing what is right. You must begin to think right about this issue of community and learn to live the abundant life of Jesus in community and relationship with the help of others. Listen to what the Bible says about this in Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Pity the man, pity the person who falls and has no one to help him up. God created us to need one another. In the New Testament, 58 times we read the phrase, one another. We are told that we are to love one another, care for one another, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, lift one another, support one another, counsel one another, to live in community with one another. We must have one another. That's why we have a church family. That's why every single person needs to be an active, faithful, participating member of a local church without excuse. Your membership out somewhere else in some other community, in some other town, in some other state, it's doing you no good, it's doing them no good. You need to make a commitment to the local church and the body of believers and you need to become a member, whatever that means, whatever that takes for you to become a member. You ought to be a part of a small group Sunday school class of people who can come alongside you and encourage you and pray for you and minister to you and help you all along the way because there will be a time in your life, whether you believe it or not, when you need other people to help you. That'll be the ones that'll be the first ones standing there ready to help you. The fact is we need each other to be healthy, both spiritually and emotionally. James talked about this. In James 5, 16, here's what he said. Therefore, confess your sins to, one and e to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, you see that verse? You ought to circle the, world, the word healed say I want some healing to come to my life okay great confess your sins to God and to other people and let them help you and the Bible says healing will start flowing into your life it's good news to know that whatever those issues are out there in your life today they can be healed Rick Warren has said it this way Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback he said if all you want to do is be forgiven, tell God. But if you want to be healed, humble yourself and tell someone else. There are answers to the problems of your life. 
There is a way to have the abundant life of Jesus. Having the abundant life of Jesus is a choice that you make for your own life. When you begin to think right about who God is and who we are before a holy God. What must you do? Admit your need for help or coaching. Ask God to be your coach. Ask God to help you. And then accept the help of others around you. Godly Christian people who can come alongside you and help you. When that happens, you can endure life's race. You can stay on course. You'll not get off track. You won't take detours. You won't be broken down on the side of the road. You can make it to the finish line where you can hear God say, well done, good, faithful servant. Listen to me. Everybody in this room right now and everybody that's out there watching me online today has fears and insecurities in their lives. We all have these. This morning what we learn is we don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear the reaction of other people or even what they think. Because here's what I know. Everybody in this room has issues. Everybody. Everybody has issues. In some way, we're all broken. Pastor, how do you know that? Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. And today, you can have some healing. If you admit to God you need help, ask God to help you and accept the help of others. Healing can come. Isn't it amazing to think about the way healing comes into our life is also the same way salvation comes into our life. You see, to be saved today, you've got to admit your need for God. You've got to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin and take control of your life. And you've got to accept his forgiveness. Right now in the room or out there online. Whether it's healing you need or salvation you need. It comes in the same way. Admit. Ask. Accept. Pride is a really strong thing. Pride is the super glue that keeps us in our seats when the Holy Spirit of God tells us to make a move. Right now in this room, and out there online in the hearts of people, there's a spiritual battle going on. Because there's lots of folks in this room today that when this invitation is given, they need to run to this altar and get some things right. To admit some things to God, to ask for His help and to accept the help of others. There are people that need to come and be saved. There are people who've been saved. You never made that decision public, but you need to. There's people who need to be baptized or get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. There's people who need to join this church today by letter, by statement of faith. But you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't need to go to the altar and pray. I don't need to talk to someone. I don't need healing. I don't need to admit anything or ask for help. It's my problem. It's my addiction. It's my issue. It's my life. 
Let me ask you, how bad is it going to have to get before you're willing to admit there's a problem that needs to be fixed? How much worse are you going to let it get before you come and ask the Lord to help you? You see, a lot of times we get to the end of ourselves and the end of our strength and what we can do. I talk to so many people and say, Pastor, I'm just the end of myself. And I always say, good, it's about time. I hope some of you are finally at the end of yourself today because you are messing yourself up so bad. Because you see, when you get to the end of yourself, guess what you find? Jesus has been there all alone. Just waiting for you. Just waiting for you. Stop living for yourself and to start living for him. The invitation is simple today. Come to Jesus. If you're out there online today and you're watching, you can go to fbclexington.com slash Sunday Central and you can go to the Responding to God tab and you can use that to respond to the invitation today. Or you can text us at 81010 and in the subject line put at FBC online and that'll come directly to Brother Ryan. He'll respond to you immediately. Or you can email me at clayhallmark at fbclexington.com. If you're right here in the room today, I'm going to pray for you. And when we get stand up to sing in just a minute, I want you to come. Without any hesitation, I want you to come. It's time to admit to God we need help. It's time to ask Him to help us. And it's time to accept the help of others. Today, we need to make that decision we know we ought to make. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your house. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we've had today to open up your word which speaks so clearly, so evident to us, Lord, as to how we can respond to you. Lord, it's not been a hard sermon to listen to today. It's just simple. Lord, we just don't think right about you ourselves. And in the spiritual battle that's going on right now, Lord, in just a minute, either you're going to have victory or Satan's going to have victory, and we're going to decide that by how we respond to the invitation. Whether we're out there watching at home, or right here in the building. We want you to have victory. We want healing to come. We want salvation to come. We want renewal and revival to come. So help us to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Stand and sing with us this morning. As the Holy Spirit of God leads you, we invite you to come today. You be the first, others will follow. You come.